When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good afternoon, Spurs fans, and welcome uh, to our latest Football.London Spurs podcast. Uh, we've got Alasdair Gold out in Ghent after last night's disappointing defeat for Spurs. Good, a- good afternoon, Alasdair. Hello there, hello. Hello, and uh, we've also got Kev Byrne, our digital features and transfers editor. Good afternoon, Kev. Good afternoon. Um, Alasdair, we'll, we'll start with last last night. No, no other place to start. Um, how... How disappointed were you with that Spurs performance? It was, well, let's, let's put it this way. The weather in Ghent has been sunny for the last two days, and today it is drizzly and the rain is pouring down. I think that pretty much sums up the moods of Spurs fans, really. Yeah. It's that classic thing of Arsenal go and have an absolute nightmare, and just to make the fans feel a little bit better, Spurs then go and do something similar. Um, and they, they were wonderful. They were absolutely wonderful. Um, I was told by, you know, Belgian people, Ghent fans before the game that if Spurs underestimated Ghent, played the weak side, they'd get shown up. You know, Ghent, Ghent did have the ability to kind of do something. Spurs went quite strong with their team and still got shown up. And it's just, it's just so disappointing. This, this lackluster, I think, is the word to describe it. Hardly any chances created other than hitting the post early in the second half and they just don't don't look like a team that's kind of full of confidence at the moment at all. And they were they named such a strong lineup. I think some Spurs fans, Kev, were quite surprised about um, the strength of that lineup. Only two players rested from the Liverpool uh, two players out of the lineup from the team that lost to Liverpool. Um, Ericsson dropping to the bench yeah. and um, Son as well dropping to the bench Sissoko coming in and Winks coming in and neither were really able to you know press their claims too much Winks didn't see enough of the ball Sissoko had a bit of a nightmare if truth be told yeah I I had forgotten that Sissoko is their record signing which is baffling to me he's nowhere near worth 30 million pounds like whether whether or not you want to say that any footballer is but in, even in the current market where prices are inflated, thirty million for Sissoko, who Newcastle fans who were in the Championship wanted him gone. It, that tells you a lot. So I don't know. It's it's tough for Spurs fans. You you heard a lot of them say that the Europa League is a distraction and that they'd be glad to be out of it. But you can see how disappointed they are now. That at the end of the day, nobody wants to lose anything, and it's still a European trophy. So they've got a lot. To, a lot to do but the next leg is at home they've only got a one goal disadvantage you know they still have a very good chance of going through to the last 16 and Alasdair obviously he went very strong um, so strong in fact that you you almost question with a with you know a less than a less than a three day turnaround to the Fulham game what sort of lineup he's going to have he's going to play on Sunday how you know how many changes he's going to make for that 
well, this is the problem he's kind of given himself now. He needs, does need a big performance against Fulham. They really need to kind of turn up. And his fringe players have proved in the, you know, the, the couple of outings they've had that they're not up to putting on a big performance. So it, it's a tough one. It's a tough one. I, I think although he said after the game that Harry Kane had a knock, Harry Kane later told um, reporters that he should be fine for Fulham, but I don't. Think he'll play. I, I think he'll give Jensen Vincent a shot, um, and that that puts a lot of pressure on on him because you know he, he is really well in danger of being another Salvado, a flop. And I've tried to back him up many a time, but when he's not even getting on the bench to take on again, uh, it, it's quite it, it, well. It's quite apparent really how Pochettino maybe sees things. And yeah, he's got, he's got massive selection dilemmas. You know, do you bring in youngsters? Do you bring in Carl Walker, Peters, Marcus Edwards, some someone like that. Even if it's just from the bench, just to spark a little bit of life into this team and like just change the kind of track they're on. Or do you just go your strongest side and then you obviously have the decision of whether to go strong again against Ghent at Wembley? And if they were to lose at Fulham, who are going well in the Championship, a, a, a real threat going forward. I think only. Uh, Newcastle have scored more goals than them. Not many teams in the Championship have scored more goals than Fulham this season. They've got a very leaky defence, admittedly, and you'd expect Spurs to to be scoring at Craven Cottage. But they're going to prove a real test. The third defeat in a row after the Liverpool defeat and the Ghent defeat, and the manner of them as well, does it all of a sudden turn into a bit of a crisis, Kev, if, if they were to lose on Sunday? Yeah, I guess so. Um, the manner of the Liverpool defeat was very disappointing. You know especially in the way that Mane just kind of controlled the game he decided it and Spurs were so close to getting him over the summer and how that kind of just fell apart and the way that Liverpool had been coming off a terrible run of form themselves that was their first league win of the year and to follow that up with a really abject display against Ghent it's, they really need a big result this weekend I don't think forcing a replay is going to cut it because that'll just add even more to their fixture list it, it'd almost be better for them to just get knocked out outright if they're not going to take the FA Cup seriously they may as well just get knocked out rather than go to a replay um, yeah it's it's not the ideal situation for Spurs right now, it's you got to you got to wonder about some of these players and whether or not they can do it consistently. I know it's a very young team, and there's a lot of promise in this Spurs team. It's just about whether or not that they can fulfil on that promise, because you know potential without product production is useless. So, the, just on the the money line and and it's looking back f- quite far now to the Liverpool game, but. That even in that game alone, you looked at Spurs and, and beyond Son, they just had no pace to hit Liverpool on the counter. No, no long balls that Dembele could seek out into the channels. Really, when Liverpool were pressing him so intently in midfield, and last night, I'd, Harry Redknapp flagged it up after the game. Jermaine Genus and and Glenn Hoddle were covering the game for BT Two, and the three of them were unanimous in their verdict that there's just no pace whatsoever in this Spurs team, especially in the absence of of Danny Rose and 
Carl Walker then having to play in a more reserve role defensively. Alas, there does that strike you as, as a significant weakness in this Spurs eleven at the moment? I think so. I think so. I mean, it's a funny one because the Spurs have been so reliant on Carl Walker, Danny Rose for that pace and width as well that as soon as you lose one of them, everything becomes so lopsided, and he clearly doesn't trust. Um, or just Kevin and Kudu either and he needs the one bit of pace he's got I mean to to play um, you know a 4-1 4-1 formation which actually allows you to play a left winger and then he puts Deli Alley out on the left it's, you know, it just shows that he has no confidence in Kudu, in Kudu who's you know was, what, was 11 million pounds on the signing you know even though even today's inflated prices that's, that's still a significant outlay for a player that clearly the manager doesn't think to rate um, and you know they were linked with Zaha in the window as well and they clearly do kind of not crazy pace but they need pace yet nothing in their system kind of allows for it uh, it's, it's, a, it's a very strange setup. it really is it, the, the other thing that I found baffling yesterday Kev was obviously since they went back to, to four at the back as as Alistair said it's been a bit of a lopsided formation he's not really been able to get the right formula but there was so much criticism of the decision to shunt Ali out wide yesterday the best he looked the only player in that Spurs team yesterday capable of a bit of magic obviously the shot that went just wide of the post had another shot blocked in the first half but those were both coming from central areas where he's feeding off Kane getting in those areas where we know he's brilliant at breaking into the area beyond the midfield and, and, and getting beyond Kane sometimes. Why, oh, why was he expected to sit out on the left wing and start, you know, making those runs in from the wing? I really can't answer that. I have no idea why you would push your best player out to the fringes and not use him. He's a very dangerous player. We've seen that a lot this season. He showed that last season as well. Playing centrally, he's he won Player of the Month in the Premier League in January. Playing centrally, he's he's always played centrally. He's not a wide player. I don't know what the thinking behind that decision was. Maybe that was an attempt to get more pace out wide, but it just it just is a bizarre decision. Really, he's got no experience of playing out there for Spurs anyway, and they badly needed someone to create stuff in the middle and he's the person that they would normally turn to or Christian Eriksen who was on the bench so I don't know I, I can't explain it Alasdair what do you think do you think it was a way of ensuring that Winks got into the team I think we both said in following the Liverpool defeat that Spurs needed some more kind of authority in, on the ball in midfield and obviously Winks gives you that even at his young age do you think putting Ali out wide was just a, a move to accommodate him in there, and if so, would it would Spurs have almost been better served playing Ericsson or Son ahead of Ali if they wanted to play Winks? Yeah, I think I think you're at the point of spot on. I think that's Ericsson or Son would have so much more suited that system if you had to have play with that kind of almost flat four in the in the field ahead of Wanyama. It was yeah, I just don't think anyone. Has seen it as a as a brave. I suppose if it come off, it would have been a brave call. But it just it, it was almost kind of reminiscent of England in the old days when they used to. Uh, I think it was Ericsson used to shove Paul Scholes out on the left, and you just kind of why 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 would you take yeah. one of your most potent attacking players who is so lethal and has scored so many goals from central position and shove him out on the left? 
when his natural tendency is always to come inside. And especially, you know, that, that means Ben Davies, who's looked shaky in recent matches, again, didn't have much protection because Ali was coming inside all the time. It's very, very strange and what to do now. And he was, you know, and after the match, he, you know, he wasn't, wasn't looking to, uh, wasn't looking to explain it or back it up or anything. He was, it was quite a strange kind of post-match press conference. I mean, I asked him whether he, um, felt that there was a, a lack of confidence up front for the strikers, uh, sorry, for the attackers and whether that was a problem. And he, he literally looked to me as if I just, I don't know, stolen the last chip off his plate or something. And he was just, bewildered. no, no, there was no confidence problem whatsoever. Yet Spurs haven't scored, uh, I think it's in the last four goals from open play, yeah, four games from open play. There clearly is, uh, you know, a, an issue with attacking and shoving Ali out on the left does you no favours whatsoever. Well, since, I, I mean, the, the Alley decision almost had a, you'd have to say, a bit of a direct impact on how Harry Kane performed. Just looking at his stats now and since the West Brom hat-trick, when you did feel Spurs were at the peak of their powers, they just won, you know, uh, six on the trot following the, following the Man United defeat prior to the Man City game. Um, since then, Kane's only scored one goal, that penalty against Middlesbrough didn't score at City didn't score at Sunderland um, obviously got the pen against Borough was poor at Liverpool I thought and last night really ineffective again but Kev you have to almost consider at the same time that Ali's like his almost trusted lieutenant operating behind him and he didn't have him there he was just on. He was just completely isolated last night yeah I think we, ha- we have uh, a tendency to overstate the importance of individual players especially nowadays we talked about previously before about how football's becoming it's always been a team sport but it's getting even more team orientated now and that's why systems are so important and I guess it really goes back to having to switch from the back three because that's had to change the whole structure of the entire team and every, everyone's a worse off for it so I think you know they really need Danny Rose back as soon as possible he's he does a lot for them and it's even just the stuff the runs that he makes where he doesn't get the ball it just gives them more space so if I was a Spurs fan I'd, I'd you know believe to like pray to whatever god you believe in that Danny Rose gets back <laughs> as soon as possible it's it's becoming an, an increasing problem Alasdair <laughs> isn't it with, with Poch's kind of fringe options he gave them a brilliant chance to impress against Wickham, failed to take it, relied on Ali and Son to get him out of jail, really, against Wickham. And again, last night, I mean, Ali was the bright spot, but you looked at players like Winks, to a lesser extent with Winks, and I know, naturally, Spurs fans were disappointed with the result last night, but I think he just would, he was starved of possession as much as Kane was starved of service up top. But you look at players like, um, Musa Sissoko last night and, and Ben Davis and you, you want him to lay down a marker and say right Ben Davis particularly with Danny Rose injured he's got a real opportunity to stamp a claim here and he just doesn't look like he's capable of, capable of seizing it at the moment No he's, he's a strange one Ben Davis he's he, he looked so solid for the last couple of seasons being at Spurs but immediately when asked to kind of Fulfill a slightly different role, be it you know as a left wing back. It's just he's just kind of come up short, and and against players with pace, he's you know he's coming up 
short as well. And it's, it's a shame, but I mean, I saw a good, I put all the carnage on social media last night after the game. One Spurs fan, I cannot remember his name for the life of me, made a fantastic point, which is the problem with Spurs kind of summer spending was they did actually go out, probably one yard aside, looking to buy backup players. And that's just not the way to operate. You you look to buy first-team players that could potentially push your own uh, key players out of the team. That's the way you look at it. You don't look at it for players that can just play second fiddle. And that, that pretty much does sum up the chance for spending in the summer. And obviously, with nothing coming in the winter, the likes of Jensen, he's never going to push Kane out of the side. Uh, including the same, Sissoko the same, even for the incredible thing. And I think that's a problem Pochettino has. His kind of second options are barely even second options. And that's got shown up kind of horrendously against Wickham, uh, almost, you know, almost to their cost. And it, it gives him so many problems come, uh, come Sunday and the, and the second leg. And it, yeah, I mean, but then, it's maybe endemic of the whole transfer policy as well in recent seasons is maybe relying on the kind of the young players that Pochino can develop but not actually adding to that and taking it to that next level I mean the number of times Manchester United players would discuss Sir Alex Ferguson's approach after winning a title it would always be who is the striker that I can get in to upset the apple cart or the player that I can get in to make everyone think, blimey, our first team place isn't by no means secure. One yarmer aside, as Alasdair um, obviously says there, you look at the signings that have come in, and it's, a, it, it's such a difficult balancing act because Vincent Janssen, on paper, admittedly in the Dutch league, but scored plenty of goals for Altmar, looked kind of like the ideal fit in terms of a striker that can hold the ball up, bring the, the attacking midfielders like Ali, Eriksen, Son, etc. into play, it's just not happened for him. And it's, it's such a difficult sell to, to players to, to almost be like, you know, you're, you're not quite Harry Kane, so you're not going to be our first choice striker. But Alasdair's right, unless Spurs buy those players that get, that get people in the dressing room, like, like Jan Vertonghen, for instance, or a Dembele or someone like that, Unless they get them really thinking about, blimey, my, my first team place is by no means secure. Does complacency creep in? It's not really complacency, more just you only have to run at 85% instead of 100%. And we talk about this every week. It's those small margins that make the difference in elite sport. That if you're not giving it absolutely 100%, you'll come out second best. Um. Yeah, I've got bad news, though, for Spurs fans. You're building a new stadium. You're going to have to save money in terms of buying players. This is your transfer policy now. And I agree with Alistair. It's not enough. This Spurs team, the Spurs starting 11 is talented enough. And Pochettino is a good enough manager for them to challenge for the title. It's whether or not the squad players can step up. And at the moment, they're not doing that. I think there's a lot of frustration, especially with Ben Davies, because of the way that he arrived in Tottenham off the back of that Sigurdsson deal to send him back to Swansea. And at the moment, he looks Sigurdsson looks like the kind of player that Spurs could be dealing with. And Alistair has talked before about how he's almost the perfect Pochettino player. So I think that there is a lot of frustration with the way in which Spurs have dealt with the transfer market over the last few years. So 
yeah I, I do think I'm not sure it's complacency and more so than it's just that they're not being pushed to their absolute limits which is what Alex Ferguson like him or not he always did that and I think that that's something that Pochettino isn't doing enough and I think that he can there's still time for him to change this but at the moment he's not doing it enough is that fair Alasdair? Yeah, yeah, I, I, I think so. I think, I mean, the Fer- Alex Ferguson kind of comparisons have been kind of made. I think a lot of people have said that that's, that's the legacy that maybe, well, Spurs fans, and certainly Pochino's kind of pointed to it himself, that he would love to kind of, this project, as he always calls it, be a long-term thing at Spurs. Um, but no, you know, you're spot on. It's, Ferguson was... Um, there was a lot of things. There was a lot of things. He wasn't just a, you know, a coach. He had so many kind of facets to what he did. Um, and one of those things is never allowing the players to kind of rest on their laurels whatsoever. And the point, you know, Spurs first eleven. You know, every week I'm kind of uh, I, I, I put together a predicted eleven or what I think what Cena would do. And to be honest, it could be the same eleven every week. There's really, it's possibly, you know, there's probably just the one, there's another out in you that possibly that one slot behind Kane that's kind of a bit dubious. But other than that, you can name the 11 every week. And that's not great for, you know, coming up against opponents because opponents know exactly what Pochino's going to do, which is why he's probably playing around with formations at the moment. We've seen so many different variations. But ultimately, it's the same players. And, and he says himself, it's not about formations, it's about the players on the pitch and the philosophy. And if it's the same lot every single week, you are eventually going to be found out and you are going to come up against teams who know how to combat you. On the theme of transfers, squad strengthening, bolstering options in positions, Fulham this weekend, Ryan Sessegnon, who Spurs, we believe, one of a number of Premier League clubs held a long-term interest in him. Um, This is surely the perfect chance, Kev, for him to laid down a bit of a marker this weekend he's still very young of course but yeah. shop window this weekend yeah he's, he's in the shop window not just for Spurs for everyone it's going to be a big televised game that people are actually watching um, because you know these days it's not just about the scouts going out to see him there is a bit of fan kind of input these days with people going on social media and talking about him and saying that they want to get him I, you know I'm not saying that the Pochettino is going to be refreshing Twitter to decide his Twitter poli- his transfer policies, but oh, it'd be brilliant if he did. Well, you know, <laughs> there's no proof that he doesn't do that. Uh, but you know, there does seem to be sometimes a sense of momentum that happens with transfers and a sense of ine- inevitability. And if Sessegnon plays well, he could come in, you know, in the summertime learn under someone like Danny Rose and really develop and that's the kind of that's the kind of signing that Pochettino would love to make someone young someone that he can mould into the kind of player and also he's got the raw attributes similarly to Rose and differently to Davis in that he's got pace athletic can get up and down the touchline is versatile as well he gives you options that's maybe something that Spurs need to focus on this summer is and, and he probably represents someone that's that's ideal in that sense and that he's played in midfield before, he's played in attacking roles before. He'd give yeah. he'd give Poch options. The only problem is with what we were just saying, 
he's not going to be ready to start. Of course not. And he's not going to have this whole adapting to English football thing, and he's not going to have this adapting to living in London thing because he already lives in London. He's not going to. He's not coming in from the Dutch league or anything like that. But the step up to the Premier League and the step up to a, a top six club like Spurs might be a bit behind behind them. So you need Spurs would need to be a bit patient with him. But he's, you know, we thought that with Deli Ali as well. So there you, go. You, you never know. You never know. He, you know, we're getting a bit ahead of ourselves. He's not signed anything. Uh, Spurs, as far as we know, haven't even made an offer. They're just looking at him. But yeah, this is a, this weekend is a perfect opportunity for for Pochettino to get a proper look at Sessegnon and see how he compares to the rest of the players that Tottenham already have. And you know, it's exciting for Spurs fans as well. Alistair, this weekend, how how do you, well a how do you see it going, and b which fringe players do do you expect Sissoko to get another run out this weekend? Do you think, given that Son didn't start, he may come in? Eriksson possibly. Janssen, obviously, we've spoken about. You'd expect him to lead the line, given the um, the the knock that Kane suffered last night. Who do you expect any surprise names possibly to come into that starting eleven? Um, I think the substitute bench, uh, when you look at it again, that's probably going to make up uh, the main chunk of the team. I think you're right, Sean Eriksson, I think that's going to come straight back in. Jansen, who wasn't even on the bench, I think, yeah, like I said, I think he will come in. I, I wouldn't be shocked if uh, Josh Oliver gets uh, gets a start. You know, he, he kind of seems to start him in, in games against lower league sides, which I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing for him. Because uh, he doesn't always impress, but I've got a feeling that he'll come in. I think Kevin Vim will come in. Uh, whether he does Carter Vickers brings him in or not, I think Ian Vertonghen is supposed to be potentially back. Whether he starts him or not, I don't know. But I mean, maybe playing Vertonghen alongside Vimmer could be an option. He, yeah, he's going to have to really mix it up. And I mean, I just want to go back um, on the point about Sessegnon as well. The thing, he is a perfect Pochettino player, but. The, the clubs being linked with him are ridiculous. I mean, we're talking Bayern Munich, uh, Man United, I think the Milan clubs are looking at This is a guy that Stephanie Hansen said after the whole FA Cup match, you know, I'm 99% certain that this kid is going to go on to be one of the best left backs in the world. Um, so, yeah, it's by no means certain that Spurs would be able to get him. And like Kev said, I think if he does come to Spurs, he he's not gonna he's not gonna be a starter, he's not gonna play for a few years, you know, maybe even I mean Billy Alley was what's he eighteen I think when he came in. That's still almost two years older than uh Sessignon. Yeah. But yeah, he's gonna be I mean I mean going obviously to the match of the weekend, I'd be incredibly excited to watch him come alive for the first time. Apparently he played everyone off the park against Cole from the left back slot. So uh He's got quite a lot to live up to, but no, back to the back to the team. I, I do. I think uh, Michel Vaughan will probably be another change. I think he'll come back in in uh, in goal. Um, and other than that, there's not much. You know, there's not much else he can change other than maybe giving him Kudu a chance from the start. How do you see it going on Sunday, Kev? Banana skin. Uh, yeah, I, I think it's a tricky one. I think Fulham are playing well with confidence. They're at home. Spurs are going to have a team that hasn't played together necessarily they're not playing well at the moment on top of that I'm going to go for a draw I think they're going to have to go to a replay on this one I'm going to say 2-0 Alistair do you think that it will add to the 
kind of the fixture pile-up that's coming for Spurs at the moment? Oh, I'll tell you what, I'm having a nightmare predicting Spurs at the moment. <laughs> I, when I go negative, they do well. And when I've gone positive, like yesterday, I said to a colleague over there, that, oh, I think Spurs will, uh, will turn up today. So I put on the show, and obviously they were absolutely shocking. So I'm going to go for a really boring, scrappy 1-0 for Spurs and hope that that actually means it'll be something better. Have you not learned anything from what you just said? <laughs> <laughs> you, you're almost like clearly not. You're almost convincing yourself to predict a defeat there, but but couldn't quite go through with it. Um, I I, couldn't, I, couldn't. I think this is the weekend Spurs get back on track, and they need to. I I still think they will progress against Gen. I think. I, I think they'll get back on track next week against Gent. I think this one is going to really shake them awake. Yeah. I I would still expect them to get past Ghent. The fixture list coming up, I I think Spurs would expect to get, you know, back on track in the Premier League as well. Um Stoke at home, Everton at home is obviously a difficult one, but then Palace away, Southampton at home, Burnley away is tricky, but there are some eminently winnable games there. Um I I don't think it'd be easy, but I and I I think Fulham will probably score against them potentially a makeshift defence um, I'm going to go 2-1 Spurs I think they'll have the firepower I think it, it, it feels to me like a make or break game for Janssen I don't know about you Alas there but it, if he were to play on Sunday I feel like this is the moment he has to take I think so I think so I mean we've said this probably now a couple of times and Pochettino keeps trying to deflect the uh, attention off of him saying oh it's not make or break but we're getting to the stage now where it's you know it's getting it's almost March and he still hasn't scored a goal from open play. I think if he if, if I mean I did say against Wickham and he did score, but technically from the penalty spot, if he can't score against the Championship side, then he's he's not a signing that's going to do any wonders in the Premier League. Brilliant. And on that on that nice gloomy note to end <laughs> things. Um, we'll we'll wrap things up there. So we've got a a one nil prediction from Alice there. What what was your prediction again, Kev? Two 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 score draw. I'm going to go for two one. So we're all in and around the the same kind of area. I think Spurs will will do it this weekend. Um, that's all we've got time for, unfortunately. Um, thank you to Alice there again. Just quickly, Alice there actually. How just just elaborate a little bit on on what it's been like going out there this week with seeing all the Spurs fans in the city centre talking to I know you did a Facebook live yesterday with a couple of um, Belgian Belgian guys that would get and Spurs fans which is remarkable if you could just elaborate on that that'd be brilliant yeah I mean it's, it's been great it's, apart from the result and the performance actually everything around <laughs> it has been fantastic yeah <laughs> um, I mean, the, the people in, in Ghent, they, they really have taken to the team and the fans. And from what I saw, there was absolutely no trouble at all. The, the fans just were just singing non-stop throughout the day. Uh, they, they positioned themselves in the bars. They weren't being stupid. You know, there were banners out. They were just singing at each other across from pavement to pavement. The Deli Alley song was brought out, did their lace chant. Everything was coming out. And yeah, I met these um, two fantastic guys, Tim and Yolan, who are both from the Ghent area, who um, have uh, always, well, always, they, they were taken, both taken similar experiences, taken to White Hart Lane as children, and just absolutely fell in love with Spurs. 
Um, and actually, I'll, I'll, I'll have a piece up on the on the website that we'll done a little later, um, kind of talking about that as well. And, it, and it's a lovely story, you know, players like Ginola and even um, Chris Armstrong inspiring them to uh, support Spurs, which you don't often hear. Um, and there is, I think, Spurs have this pull in certain countries in Europe, Belgium, and um, some of the Scandinavian uh, countries, and also um, the Netherlands as well. This really strong kind of base of Spurs support. It's probably from players over the years that have played for the club and obviously at the moment we have the current Belgian contingent and yeah, no, there's a genuine kind of fondness for Spurs and that, that came across, uh, it's come across in the last few days and at the stadium as well last night. Brilliant. I was always a Stefan Iverson fan myself. <laughs> Fantastic. A cult, <laughs> cult hero series incoming uh, Spurs fans. Um, thank you very much, Alasdair, out in Ghent. Thanks for joining us this afternoon. No problem. Brilliant. And uh, thank you, Kev, too, thank for you your insights as normal. Um, yeah, and that's everything. Uh, as Alasdair says, there'll be plenty more reaction to the Ghent game. And obviously, with such a sharp turnaround to the Fulham game, We'll have plenty of preview stuff on that as well coming up on www.football.london. Don't forget to give us a follow on Twitter at Spurs underscore FL and on Facebook too. Um, you can find the handle at coisfootball.london. Thank you very much for joining in this week's podcast and uh, we'll, we'll see you again next week.